Hi everyone, and a big welcome to Dof Talks, our very own podcast from Dof. My name is Marianne Mexter. I am Senior Vice President at Dof, and I will be your host for this series. We have called the podcast Dof Talks. So thank you, Sheila, for a great name suggestion. It is my great pleasure to give you a closer look at what we do in Dof. Offshore wind is important to us, as you will hear through this podcast. And here we will give you a glimpse into how we see the future. We are entering a new and exciting market, expanding on our existing activities. In these podcast episodes, we will give you a brief history of DOF, how we got started with our new offshore wind projects, and why this is important to us in DOF. But also the bigger picture as how we in DOF can contribute to a greener future. DOF is committed to a 40% reduction in CO2 emission by 2030, and we are adapting towards a zero emission mindset with several activities. With me here today, I have here in studio Jan Christian Haukeland, for all our colleagues usually referred to as JK. So welcome to you, JK. Thank you, Marianne. It's great to be here. In this episode, we will also hear from Carl Daly. He is Vice President Offshore Wind. So first of all, JK, you are Executive Vice President in the Atlantic region in Dovsubsi. Can you please tell us what you actually do? Of course. So I'm responsible for uh, Dove Services activities in Europe and Africa, what we refer to as the Atlantic region. That is uh, stretching from the Barents Sea in the north via the Norwegian Sea, the North Sea, the Mediterranean, and West, East and South Africa. In these areas, we support from our regional offices in Luanda in Angola, Accra in Ghana, Aberdeen in the UK and also here in Bergen where we are sitting today. We deliver subsea services mainly for the oil and gas sector, but also for infrastructure companies and lately companies related to the renewable industry and mainly for offshore wind. Before we dive too far into the specific of offshore wind business, let me take a moment to go back in time to the start of this company. It all started 40 years ago, home in Östervoll on the west coast of Norway. Two enterprising brothers and their father, from a traditional fishery background, expanded into two industries, fish and ships. Dof was founded then as a new business in 1981 with two vessels, Skandihav and Skandifjord, the largest of their class. Over the years, Dof grew the high-quality fleet and the business established a strategic presence in all offshore energy production hubs. In 2000, we moved into Brazil with a lot of success. In 2005, through several acquisitions, we built a strong position in subsea engineering capabilities so that we could offer a unique combination of maritime and subsea services from a single company. Today, we have 59 vessels, we have 20 offices, and we have over 3,800 people in our team. The key to our success has always been our people. It is the dedication, the teamwork and skills 
that have solved many challenges over several decades. Future challenges are different in nature, but our winning people factor never changes. Dove's past, present and future have something else in common as well. From fish to oil and gas and now to wind, we see ahead another ocean harvest. Green energy from wind energy. To give us a brief overview of what exactly floating wind is and how it differs from traditional fixed wind projects, we will hear from Carl Daly. Carl is the vice president of Show Wind in Dovsebsi, and he is based in our UK office. Floating offshore wind differs from traditional fixed wind in that the turbine foundation is floating in the ocean and holds its position by an anchor system. It is towed to site and anchored in position similar to how we in Dove anchor drill rigs and floating platforms for the oil and gas industry. These turbine assemblies are very large, so we need capable anchor handling vessels from the Dove fleet. Floating offshore wind has the potential to give higher electricity yields due to access to more consistent and stronger winds further from shore and can be placed in any location as shallow water is not required. It also allows the wind farm to be placed far from the coast to avoid any visual pollution. Another benefit of floating offshore wind is the ability to power existing oil and gas platforms and this is exactly what we will do on the Highwind Tampen project. We will talk more about the Highwind Tampen project later in another episode. And we will get a first-hand experience of what exactly goes into this huge undertaking. But how is the current global market for offshore wind? And who are the big players? Europe is the main market for offshore wind farm development, with Asia second and the US soon about to start. The offshore wind business started in Denmark in the early 90s and Europe has been leading the market ever since. On the new floating wind market, Europe will again lead. The UK, France and Ireland have the largest pipeline of opportunities, with the recent Scotland lease round showing 25 gigawatts in total, with 15 gigawatts potential of floating wind projects. In Asia, we see South Korea with a number of early opportunities, but Japan and Taiwan also have good potential going forward. In the Americas, there'll be some opportunities in the East and West Coast US in deeper water, and potentially offshore Brazil too. JK, we often hear that offshore wind will be developed on the backbone of the existing oil and gas activity. Why are we in Dof uniquely positioned to take part of this? Yeah, so Marianne, to answer that question, and maybe start with the market. Where we see an increased market within offshore fixed and floating wind farms. Today we have about 50 gigawatt installed worldwide. And it has taken us approximately 20 years to get this volume established. Within the next 10 years, we expect there will be approximately 250 gigawatt added worldwide. So within half the time, we have to increase the volume five times. To get an understanding of what one gigawatt is, it is the energy consumed by one million households in Europe in a year. So this is very big. Of the 250 gigawatt, approximately 50% of this will be installed in Europe. Another way to try and visualize the market ahead is if we assume that each turbine is 10 megawatt. Then the 250 gigawatt is equal to approximately 25,000 turbines. 
before these wind farms can be developed, we need to map and clear the seabed. And after the parks have been installed, then they need to be inspected and maintained, just like offshore installations. So we expect a very strong market ahead with an offshore wind. So what can we in DOF do to access this new market? And what is our advantage here? This is a market that we can access by using, but also expanding on our know-how, vessels and equipment from the oil and gas sector. To install a floating wind turbine that can be seen as very similar to how we have been installing floating platforms for the oil and gas companies. The main difference, I would say, is that uh, each installation is less complicated. But instead of just installing one of these floating platforms, we now maybe have to install 10 to 20 turbines. So it's the factory thinking based on volume that is the main difference and therefore the challenge. I am sure, JK, that you can talk about this forever. And it is really interesting market that you are describing. Can you go a bit further into what Dove's vision is within this market? So uh, our vision is to be a market leader within floating wind, providing services from an early engagement with the seabed mapping and foundation solutions via turbine assembly and offshore installation, and then the inspection and maintenance during the life of the wind farm. Even though our focus is on floating wind, we believe we also will be working with our services on fixed turbine farms as well. Examples of this could be the seabed investigation, the clearance and the power cable installations. We also think there will be a need for inspection, maintenance and repair of these types of wind farms as well. Carl mentioned Scotwind, a seabed leasing auction organized by the Crown Estate, which is acting on behalf of the Queen herself. This can provide some great opportunities as a subcontractor for the developers. Let's hear from Carl again. To put a little context into the size of this opportunity, the UK is currently the largest offshore wind market in Europe with 10 gigawatts installed in total. Scotland will look to install more than this total over the next decade, so it is a huge undertaking. 74 renewable companies applied for the 15 license zones. These companies are referred to as the developers or operators, just like Shell, Equinor and Orsted. The early work will be on site surveys. These are already being planned with execution starting in 2022 and running for the next four to five years. The earliest construction activities will likely take place from 2027 onwards. Many of our existing customers took part in the lease round, so we have connections and have already started sales activities. So JK, now we have heard about how the industry is expanding in the UK. How are we doing here in Norway? Yeah, so um, in Norway the process uh, goes much slower compared to other countries in Europe. The main reason so far have been that the politicians think that the country is self-supported with cheap hydropower electricity. So the answer so far has been that we have enough electricity for our home market and hydropower only costs a fraction of what offshore wind will cost to develop. This uh, misunderstanding of the reality is starting to sink into the different political parties in Norway as electricity prices have gone through the roof and therefore we do see some positive signs. But our ambitions as a nation is low, around four and a half gigawatt which is, uh, in comparison, 10 times less than the UK and with a very unclear timeline to deliver this. 
The oil and gas industry has been essential to Norway. Shouldn't we be able to replicate this for the wind industry? Norway have had success within the oil and gas sector because we have had a very strong home market. So to be able to repeat this success, we also need a strong home market for offshore wind. But with the speed of the decision making, with the past and the current government, it is my honest belief that we have to make the UK our home market. Otherwise, the Norwegian offshore industry will not be on the renewable train. As we all know, DOF has a strong foothold in the UK mm-hmm. and we need to capitalize on this position when we are evolving into the offshore wind market. JK, what can we do to accelerate the progress and come up to speed with the rest of Europe? Yeah, that is a good question. I think the industry needs to be better at influencing the decision makers mm. and be much clearer on w- both the ambition and the development timelines. In addition, I could be established different compensation and tax models. Examples of this could be to use the CO2 funds to support the investments and also look into beneficial lease arrangement for the seabed where the turbines will be located. Norway today has very beneficial schemes for oil and gas explorations. So why don't we do something similar for offshore wind? I think that is a good question. We did touch on it in regard to the political opposition you mentioned, that wind power is also not without its controversies, especially here in Norway, where there have been debates mostly about land wind turbines, about their capacity, the impact on local nature, the cost and the effectiveness. Is this a fair debate and is it relevant to floating offshore wind? Yes, I think it's a debate we need to have. I think it's always good to listen to people's opinion when it comes to their concerns. We need to define who these stakeholders are and provide them with relevant fact-based on their concerns. In Norway, we see that onshore wind turbines have created a significant tension in the population because people's concerns have not been taken seriously. If you look at how the oil and gas industry have worked with the fishermen's organization and also with the environmental activists, I'm optimistic about resolving these issues through dialogue based on lessons learned from other countries and close interaction with the relevant stakeholders. JK, you are one of my most optimistic colleagues and I really hope you are right here. Thank you, JK. Thank you, Carl. You have given us a lot to think and to talk about. The main takeaway is that we see a strong market ahead with the UK leading on as the big player. We have the state-of-the-art fleet with the right capabilities. We have the global footprint and most importantly, we have the right people. People with the necessary experience and competence to solve also our future challenges. Today we have talked about the bigger picture, floating wind and what our ambitions are for the future. In the next episodes, things get really interesting. We will dive into Hyven Tompen project, which will be the world's largest floating wind farm after it has been installed this summer. We will also talk to some of the people contributing to making this massive project come together. Thank you so much for listening in and thank you to JK and to Carl for joining. Stay tuned for our next episode of Dove Talks.